I'd like to begin this week talking about a topic that I believe is not talked about enough. I'd like to talk about the concept of how much what we eat and the way we dress affects the people that we are. This is a topic that's just not spoken about enough. And today, especially in our society and our surroundings, this is a topic that literally can make or break a person because the effects of what we eat and the way we dress today have an unbelievable influence on the person we turn out to be. But I'd like to build this out of the parasha. I heard a fantastic shiur from Rabbi Gladstein that I'd like to share with you today, where typically on Mondays, we give over a different version of the Shabbat shiur. But recently I came across this shiur and I said, this is, this is something wonderful. And it's something that I really wanted to share with you. It goes something like this. Rivka Imenu, the Pasuk tells us, she was in a wonderful quandary. And I, I'd like to use that term, a wonderful quandary. You know, sometimes in life, people have questions, but out of hurt. Sometimes people have questions out of desperation or chas v'shalom depression. But that's, that's not what this question of Rivka Imenu was about. And we should all have wonderful questions of quandary. Because after waiting so many years to finally have children, Rivka Imenu finds herself in a situation where miraculously she's pregnant, but she has questions. Like the Pasuk tells us, The babies inside her begin to wrestle and rumble and begin to kick. But what was her question? What exactly was it that threw her off? Rashi quickly tells us the reason why. Rashi tells us that when she would walk by the house of Avodah Zarah, the baby would kick to want to come out. And then again, when she'd walk by the yeshiva, again, the baby would kick to come out. And she was trying to understand what type of child is this? It seems somewhat of a schizophrenic. She wants to get out at the Avodah Zarah. He wants to get out at the yeshiva. What is about this child? A wonderful quandary. She comes to the greatest of the rabbi of that situation, of that generation. She comes to Yeshiva Shem Vayever. And she says, Rabbi, what's going on? And the great rabbi of Shem Vayever tells her, Don't worry. You actually have two children inside of you. And from these two children are going to come two great nations. But did you take a look at Rashi? Rashi says, if you look at the way the word in Pasuk was spelled, it was actually spelled not as goyim in the way of nations, but shne geim bibitnech. There are two great ones that are in your stomach. And who is he referring to, says Rashi? Rabbeinu HaKadosh and Antoninus. Rabbeinu HaKadosh is going to be the famous Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi one of the greatest rabbis to ever live. Antoninus was later on known as the Roman Caesar, the Roman emperor, who lived at the same time 
as Rebbe, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, and they were very close friends. Says the rabbi to Ribka Imenu, it's okay. You're going to have two great nations, or more proper, you're going to have two great people that are going to come out from you. And who are those two great people? From Yaakov is going to come out, Rebbe, Rabbeinu HaKadosh. From Esav is going to come out, Antoninus. Wow. But the rabbis want to know. You know, from Esav, there are going to be a lot of converts that later on are going to be great people in the Jewish nation. Can I give you an example, just a few? Did you know that Unculus was a convert to Judaism? When we open up the Chumash, and on the side of the Chumash, you have the Targum, Targum Unculus. That Unculus that we read, Shnein Mikrev, Echad Targum, he was a convert to Judaism. Unculus came from Esav, converted to Judaism. Shamayva Abtalion came from Esav, converted to Judaism. But now I'm going to tell you someone that you never knew. And every time we mention this, people always get wowed. Did you know that Remeir Balhanes came from Esav? Yeah, the Gemara says it black and white. I know everyone's looking at me in shock. Remeir Balhanes also came. His legacy, his lineage, goes back to Esav. Again, from the House of Converts. So, you know, the rabbi, when he could have told Rivka Emenu, that, listen, Rivka, you're going to have Shne Ge'im, two great men that are going to come out. From Yaakov, it's going to be Rabbeinu HaKadosh. And from Esav, it was Antoninus. They could have told her, so many greater people that was destined to come out of Esav. Why did the Shiva, the rabbi of Shem Ve'ever, only tell Rivka about Rebbe and Antoninus and nobody else? Why didn't he mention Unculus? Why didn't he mention Rabmeir Balhan? Why didn't he mention all the other great descendants that are going to come out of Esav? Why just Antoninus? Why just Rebbe? Ladies, Today, I just want to give you over, I think that this is a phenomenal concept. This is something that the first time I came across it, it was, it was a wow. And I hope you feel the same. I'd like to take a few steps back to appreciate the answer and to give you a little bit of a historical background of the relationship between Rebbe, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, and Antoninus. The Gemara Avodah Zarah on Daf Yud Bet, the Gemara tells us that incredible relationship Antoninus, he dug a tunnel on the ground that led from his castle all the way to the house of Rebbe. And every night, Antoninus would leave the castle and go down the tunnel with two guards. When he'd come up to the end of the tunnel, which led into the house of Rebbe, he would turn around and he would kill one of the guards by the door of Rebbe. Like this, he would enter Rebbe's house in secrecy. He would spend the whole night learning Torah with Rebbe Rabbeinu HaKadosh. Yes, Antoninus, the Roman emperor. They would learn Chavruta together Torah all night. Matter of fact, not just Torah they would learn. But Antoninus would also be Mishamesh Rebbe. The Gemara says incredible things. <laughs> the Roman emperor, he used to go down on all fours when Rebbe would get off the bed so that Rebbe's feet 
would go on his back like a stepping stool to go onto the floor. And then he would take his royal cloak and put it on the floor so Rebbe's feet wouldn't step on the floor, but rather would step on his royal clothing. So the royal Roman emperor, Antoninus, he learned with Rebbe and he was Mishamesh Rebbe. He took care of Rebbe. And Rebbe would tell him, Antoninus, you're an emperor. You're a king. This isn't the way a king should be prostrating himself in front of simple citizens like me. And Antoninus would laugh. And he would tell Rebbe like the Gemara says, I'd rather be the Eved of someone great like you, Rebbe, than the king of dogs. This is what the Gemara says. So he was Mishamish Rebbe. And he learned Torah all night with Rebbe. And this goes on for years. How many years? 21 years. How do I know this? Well, you take a look. Even in the uh, secular history books, the way they refer to Antoninus is Marcus Antonio. Uh, Marcus Antonio, which is Antoninus, lived in the years of you know, 140, whatever it was, B.C., and not BC as BC, but BC as their BC, right? And then it's and then he ruled from 160 till 181 BC. And in those years, his relationship with Rebbe was as a havruta for all those years. Amazing. So he would come every night to Rebbe's house. Upon entering Rebbe's house, he would kill the guard. And then in the morning when he would go back to the castle with the other guard, upon entering his castle in return, he would kill the second guard as well. And he would do this every night for 21 years. So you do the math of how many guards he killed just to keep the secrecy that nobody should find out and it shouldn't get out to the public that the emperor of Rome was Rebbe's best friend, his Chavruta and his Shamosh. The Gemara tells us that one night, Antoninus came down the tunnel with the guard. He killed the guard at the door of Rebbe's house upon entering. And then Antoninus comes into the house of Rebbe. And who does he see there by the house of Rebbe? He sees a great rabbi sitting there. Rebbe Hanina Barchama. Antoninus gets very angry. Rebbe, didn't we have a deal? Didn't I make up with you that any time I come to your house, no one is allowed to be here? If the word gets out that I come to the house of a rabbi, the Roman emperor, my whole family, myself, will be put to death, treason. They'll call us, Rebbe, what is this rabbi doing here? Now he knows. Rebbe turns down to Ninus and says, who are you referring to? Rebbe Hanina Bar He's not a man. He's like an angel. Antoninus says, really? I'm going to test this out. Antoninus walks up to Rabbi Hanina Bar says the Gemara. And Antoninus tells him, uh, Rabbi, do me a favor. Uh, I left one of my guards laying on the floor by the door as I walked into Rebbe's house. Could you go wake him up? He didn't tell him that he killed him. Rabbi Hanina Bar walks up to the door and he sees the Roman guard is laying on the floor. He takes another look. He's dead. He thinks to himself, Uli, what am I going to do now? On one hand, if I go and I tell the emperor he's dead, you're not supposed to be a person that is the bearer of bad news. So, I don't want to be the one to tell bad news. 
Maybe they were friends. They tell him that he died. Terrible. On the other hand, the king told me something to do. When you get an order from the king, you don't come back empty-handed. She says, what am I supposed to do? So Rebchanin of Archama decided, you know what? I'll just pray and I'll bring him back to life. He prayed, says the Gemara, and then he nudged the soldier on the floor, get up! The soldier got up. He was Mehaya Metim. He brought him back in the house and he turned to Antoninus and said, Here's your friend. Oh, ho, ho, ho. when Antoninus saw Rabchanina Barchama just did Techiata Metim and revived the dead soldier, he said, Okay, so now I understand. You're right, Rebbe. This Rabchanina Barchama is not a man, he's more like an angel, but still, I cannot stress to you enough that we have a deal. Anytime I come to the house, nobody could know. It would be terrible. If it would get out, it would be a death sentence for me and my family. Amazing. Look at this closeness. Rabbi Miller, in the book that he wrote, The Exalted People, which is actually in English, anyone who has an opportunity to pick up this book and read it, you'll find this book phenomenal. Rabbi Miller, in the book, The Exalted People, he writes also about this amazing but clandestine relationship between Rebbe and Antoninus as part of Jewish history. And Rabbi Miller writes something fascinating. He says that when a moment Antoninus came to power in the year 160, and now he's the emperor of Rome, do you know the first thing he did? The first thing he did was he gave the power of the Jewish people and the yeshivot back to the rabbis. Up until that point, Rome was such an aggressive power that they ran everything. They ran everything in the Beit HaMikdash. They ran everything, and after when it was destroyed, they ran everything in the yeshivot. The Jewish people couldn't even hire their own rabbis. They couldn't even appoint their own Rosh HaYeshiva. You know who appointed the head rabbis? The Romans. It was all about money. It was all about who's going to pay the highest price. Until, until Antoninus, Marcus Antonio, until Antoninus came along and he became Caesar of Rome. What was the first thing he did? He turned to his chavruta, his friend, Rebbe, Rabbeinu HaKadosh. He says, Rebbe, I'm giving you the power now to be the Nasi of the Jewish people. And that's why Rebbe was also known as Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi. From that day, the first thing Rebbe did, writes Rabbi Miller in his book, Exalted People, Rebbe went and he gathered all the sages, all the rabbis together, and he did something very bold. Something very bold. He did something that wasn't allowed to be done. Matter of fact, he broke an incredible rule. Rebbe went and he wrote down Torah Shabal Peh. He wrote down what today we know as the Mishnayot. Now, when Torah was given by Har Sinai, it was given to us as Torah Shebikhtav, the written Torah, which is Aseret HaDibrot, the five books of Moses, Tanakh. And it was also given to us Torah Shabal Peh, which then was Halachot and concepts. You weren't allowed to write that down. Why weren't you allowed to write that down? 
Why was there a portion of Torah that was written down and a portion of Torah that was not allowed to be written down? Why? And the answer is, Borei Olam's genius yet again shines through. Take a look at today. We have a Torah. We have what the Goyim call the Torah as our Bible. I hate referring to it that way, but let's just talk in modern terms for the clarity of the concept. Guess what? The Goyim say, you have a Bible? We also have a Bible. Matter of fact, we have the new edition. That's what they tell us. So you can go from anywhere to a Hilton to a Holiday Inn and you'll walk into your hotel room, open up the drawer, and there it is. Holy Bible. There's the Holy Bible. It says it right there. Every room has a Bible. The Goyim say you have a Bible. We have a Bible. The Arabs say you have a Bible. We have a Bible. So what makes you so special? What makes your Torah so special? You know what makes our Torah so special? Says Hashem. There's going to be a portion of the Torah that's not allowed to be written down. Do you know why? Like this, the Goyim cannot take it. They can't copy it, and they can't claim it as their own. Look what they did to the Bible. Look what they did to the written down Torah. Look what they did to Torah Shebikhtav. They adopted it, edited it, cut and paste, and did whatever they wanted with it. Added new names, new additions. And today... <laughs> According to the Goyim, it's a New York Times bestseller. Hashem says, I don't want the Torah to be New York Times bestseller. I want it to be the Torah of the Jewish people. The greatest gift exclusive to the Jewish people. How do we keep it exclusive? Well, a portion of it, the concepts of Torah. Torah Shabbat Peh is not allowed to be written down. Like this, the Goyim don't get their hands on it. Like this Torah Shabal Peh goes from rabbi to student, rabbi to student, father to son, family to family, generation to... And it stayed and contained in the Jewish people perfectly. Torah Shabal Peh was not written down from Har Sinai all the way until the time of Rabbeinu HaKadosh. But then came a moment in time that's called Hora'at Sha'ah. It was a moment that sometimes radical situations call for a radical reaction. Where Rebbe had to get up and do something so strong. But he did it because Torah was being forgotten from the Jewish people. And because Shelo Tishkach, Torah Mi Yisrael, in order to save the Torah Sheba'al Peh, which was now about to be forgotten, Rebbe went and did something very powerful and bold. He went and wrote it down. He gathered all the rabbis together, wrote down Torah Shabal Peh, and he saved the Torah Shabal Peh. Like this, it wasn't forgotten. Like this, we have, take a look how many bookshelves we have that all that you see here represents Torah Shabal Peh. All the Gemarot, all the Mefarshim, all of that, God forbid, would have been forgotten if not for the incredible strength and Rebbe's decision to write it down. If this is the case, ladies, you're going to understand now something incredible. This is the why to the question we opened the class. When Ribka Imenu comes to the Yeshiva of Shem Vaever, and sure enough, she asks, Vayitrot Sitsuha Banin Bikirba, she says, What's going on over here? 
What is the word she says? Vayomer lama ze anochi. The rabbis turn around and tell her, don't worry. There are going to be two great people that are going to come out of you. Rebbe and Antoninus. And we ask the question, I mean, there's going to be so many greater converts that are going to come out of Esav rather than just Antoninus. They could have told her, out of Esav is going to come Unculus, Reber Balhanes, Shamayi Vatalyon. Why did they tell him only Antoninus and Rebbe? You want to know the answer? What was her question? Her question was, Lama ze Anochi? You know what she was asking? Lama ze Anochi Hashem Elokecha? What is the good of Torah Shebichtav if we're going to lose the Torah Shebaalpeh? The Torah Shebaalpeh, the concepts and the opinions of the rabbis and the halachot is what explains to us the Torah Shebichtav. But without it, what is the good of Torah Shebichtav without Torah Shebaalpeh? turned the rabbi and said to her from Shemba Ever, don't worry, you have two great men inside of you that will ensure that the Torah in its entirety, both Bichtav and Torah Shebaalpeh, will never be forgotten from the Jewish people. And you know who those two great men are? Rebbe and Antoninus. Antoninus turned out to be the most important Goy ever to live in history for the Jewish people. Why? Because the moment Antoninus became Caesar, he gave Rebbe, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, the power to take over the yeshivot, to take the power back of the Jewish people, and that empowered Rebbe to go now, write down Torah Shabalpeh, like this it's not going to be forgotten. That was her question, and now you understand the answer. With this brilliance, I'd like to just tell you over something that I, th I thought was fascinating. I'd like to share with you a little bit of the behind the scenes of how this relationship between Rebbe and Antoninus began. We kind of started in the middle of the story. When they were already best friends, when Antoninus was already coming down the tunnel every night, learning with Rebbe, taking care of Rebbe. But how did this start? Where did they meet? How did this amazing relationship, this, this bond, how did, it, how did it take effect? Wow, is this something. Oy. Hold on to your seatbelts. This is, this is really something powerful. The Tosafot over there in Abu Zara tells us the beginning of the story. In Rome, there was a decree. They banished Brit Milah from being done to any Jewish child. Anyone caught giving their baby a Brit Milah, the entire family was put to death. Rabbeinu HaKadosh's parents, Rabbi's father and mother, just was gifted with a beautiful baby who's going to be the future of the light of the Jewish people. Rabbeinu HaKadosh. Rebbe's parents, father and mother, were such tzaddikim that there was no way that they were not going to give their child a brit milah. So Rebbe's parents went and, obviously, in hiding, made a brit milah for their son. And word got out that Rebbe's parents actually broke the law. 
The word traveled so far back that it actually hit Rome. There was someone there who hated the Jews, who knew Rebbe's parents, who went and told on them to the, to the Caesar, to the king. And they told the emperor that there are Jews that are breaking your law in Israel. When the emperor heard this, he dispatched guards and they came to Jerusalem. They came to the house of Rebbe's parents. And they said to the mother, you and your baby is to come immediately to Rome to stand in front of the emperor because there are allegations that you gave your baby a Brit Milah. When Rebbe's mother heard this, she began to panic. She knew that this was going to be a death sentence. Rebbe's mother had a very close friend, a neighbor, a Goya, a Roman woman who lived next door. When she also heard about what was about to take place, quickly she pulled Rebbe's mother over on the side. She said, listen, you just had a baby. On the same day, I also had a baby. Let's switch the babies. My baby is a Goya. I didn't give him a Brit Milah. He's still Arel. Let's switch the babies. You'll take my baby to Rome. I'll keep your baby by me till you get back. And like this, when you present yourself in front of the emperor and they open the diaper, you know, certain things you can't hide, <laughs> then they'll see that you're innocent and they'll let you live. Rebbe's mother agreed. They switched the babies. Baby Antoninus was given to Rebbe's mother. Baby Rabbeinu Akadosh was given to Antoninus's mother. Rebbe's mother took baby Antoninus with her up to Rome to the emperor. And there the emperor said to her, I heard you gave your child the Brit Milah. She said, this child has no Brit Milah. When they opened and they found that it was true, the child was Arel, the emperor got so angry at the one that told on the Jews that he quickly called him in and said, what are you telling me? You made this woman call all the way here and she's innocent and our child has no Brit Milah. The minister tried to save his neck by saying that, no, it's the Jewish God who loves their people and he makes miracles for them. But the emperor didn't buy it and the emperor killed the Malshin. Rebbe's mother, in her innocence, was able to return back home with Antoninus, the baby. While Rebbe's mother was going to Rome back and forth, this is a newborn infant. The baby needs to feed. Rebbe's mother was actually feeding the child from her milk. She was actually feeding baby Antoninus from her milk. And because of that, it's amazing, the Ben Yoyada writes, the Ben Ishchai writes, that because baby Antoninus was drinking from the milk of such a tzaddeket, the mother of Rabbeinu HaKadosh, that baby Antoninus was now destined to be able to convert one day to Judaism. That baby Antoninus was destined to one day learn Torah by Rabbeinu HaKadosh as Chavruta. And, writes the Ben Ishchai, because this baby Antoninus drank the milk from such a holy lady, he was already destined to be the next emperor of Rome. Amazing. Wow. So if this is the case, we have to look into this concept for a moment of how, like we open the class, what we eat and how it affects us. Take a look, a few drops of milk 
from the baby and the mother that he took it from, the mother that he suckled from, and what it did to this baby Antoninus, where now he's going to convert to Judaism. He's going to learn with the greatest rabbi, and he's going to be the future of emperor of Rome. Wow, look at the effects. These effects go way back in history. You know, the Psikta uh, de Rabati he brings, that when Sarah Imenu miraculously had Yitzchak Avinu, the world couldn't believe their ears. A lady 100 years old who actually had a child, impossible. They all came from all over the world just to see. A matter of fact, they also came to test. The Pasuk says over there, Mi milel Abraham henika banim Sarah. Henika banim Sarah. Sarah was breastfeeding banim, many boys. She only had one boy. Says the Midrash, no, banim. You know what happened? The people came from all over the world and they didn't believe that a hundred year old lady could actually have a child. So they came bringing their babies. And they said, really? You just gave birth? Here, feed my baby, let's see. And they brought her hundreds, the Midrash says, hundreds of babies. And Sarah sat feeding hundreds and hundreds of babies just to show that Hashem's miracle was not a joke, it was true. Do you know what happened to all those babies? All those babies, right? It's the Psikta de Rabati. All those babies that drank from the milk of the holy Sarah Imenu, they all became kings of their nations. All the kings of the nations of the world all came out of those babies that actually had from the milk of Sarah Imenu. And even they say some of the converts that later on were going to convert to Judaism again stemmed from the babies that took from the milk of the feed of Sarah Imenu, which is amazing. I just want to point out something that to me was a, blew my mind. The Svanim bring something that I never realized. And I thought this was a wow. They explained this is also another reason why the explanation of an incredible phenomenon over thousands of years, there have been many converts to Judaism. Can you think of one convert to Judaism that became of anything that came from the children of Yishmael? None. There isn't. But from Esav, on the other hand, so many of Esav's descendants converted from all different parts of the world to become part of Judaism. And they became great people. Like we gave already examples that came from Esav, converted and became great. Rebmer Balhanes, Unklis, Shammai Bab Talion. These all came from Esav originally. They converted to Judaism. They became great. How come only from the descendants of Esav do you have converts to Judaism and they became great? The Elu, the descendants of Yishmael, the Arabs, no converts to Judaism. Why? Why all of a sudden only the light bulb went on on one side of the world, but not on the other side of the world? You know what the answer is? It's all in the milk. Forgive me for putting it that way. Sounds like a got milk commercial. But li li listen to this for a moment. Esav. 
Who did he feed from? Rivka Imeno. Esav fred from the milk of a sadeket. And therefore, from his descendants, there can be converts coming, converting to Judaism, and even becoming great, great men, like Unkelis, like Ramir Balhanes. But Yishmael, who did he feed from? Garesh et ha'amahazot imbina. He fed from Hagar. Hagar was nowhere near a Sadeket. Yes, she came from royalty. But Sadeket, far from it. And because of that, because he got from the milk of someone who was not Sadeket, because of that, his children, his descendants could never have the spark to want to realize the beauty of the truth of Klal Yisrael. What an observation. I thought that was incredible. Um, with that in mind, I think the question is begged to be asked. When the babies were switched and baby Antoninus was given to Rebbe's mother and baby Antoninus fed from Rebbe's mother, that's why such greatness came out of him. But wait one second. There's the other half of the coin. While baby Antoninus was given to Rebbe's mother, Rebbe as a baby was given to Antoninus's mother. And Rebbe fed from the Goya, Antoninus's mother. Yes. Unlike Moshe Rabbeinu, that we know that when Moshe was pull, pulled out of the Nile, and it was at that moment that Bat Paro wanted to bring somebody of a wet nurse from the Goyim to feed baby Moshe Rabbeinu, and he refused to drink until finally they bought Moshe's mother. Rabbeinu Akadosh did feed from the mother of Antoninus. Now you have to think, and here's the question that begged to be asked, how could that be? How could that be? What type of effects can the milk of this woman Goya have on the future of the light of the Jewish people, one of the greatest rabbis to ever live? And why would Shamayim allow something like that to happen? Do you know what the Gemara says about Rabbeinu HaKadosh? Rabbeinu HaKadosh was so great and so holy that he was able to testify on himself, the Gemara says, that he never put his hands lower than his waist. His hands never dropped to the lower level of his body. He was always and completely holy. Matter of fact, that's why we call him Rabbeinu HaKadosh. This was the great holy Rabbeinu. Amazing. Rabbeinu HaKadosh. Rabbeinu HaKadosh. He was the Gilgul of Yaakov Avinu, says the Megale Amukot. Says Megale Amukot that this is the reason why the third Biracha in Amidah is Keneged Yaakov Avinu. Did you ever think about that? Amidah has 18 Birachot. The first three Birachot in Amidah, that section is referred to as Avot, the fathers. The first blessing is Keneged Abraham Avinu. That's why we end it, Magen Abraham. The second blessing is Keneged Yitzchak Avinu. The second bless blessing is Mechaye Hametim, because Yitzchak Avinu 
was the first person in history to experience Tchiyat HaMetim on the Akedat Yitzchak, where his neshama left him and it brought, came back to him. And at that moment, the, the angels in heaven all declared, Baruch Ata Hashem Mechaye HaMetim. So the second blessing is Yitzchak Avinu. But the third blessing, Ata Kadosh, is Keneged Yaakov Avinu. What does Yaakov Avinu have to do with Ata Kadosh? Well, now you understand why. Rabbeinu HaKadosh was the Gilgul of Yaakov Avinu. Ata Kadosh v'shimcha Kadosh. You're the Holy One. And your name is Kadosh, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, the Gilgul of Yaakov Avinu. And Antoninus, says Megal Amukot, was the Gilgul of Esav. And because Yaakov and Esav, Esav refused to learn together with Yaakov in his mother's stomach, he had to come back as Antoninus, to learn with Rebbe, which is again the Gilgul of Yaakov, to make up for the fact that he refused in his mother's stomach to learn with his brother. Amazing. Amazing. Rabbeinu HaKadosh, the Gilgul of Yaakov Avinu, and he drank from the milk of a Goya, a woman. How could that be? How could Shamayim let that be? The one that we say, Kadosh! If the milk of a holy woman could have such effects on Antoninos and on all those babies that suckled from the milk of Sarah, so then the opposite also must be true. What type of effect did the milk of the Goya woman have on Rebbe HaKadosh when he drank from the milk of a Goya? I'd like to tell you that Shamayim Hashem orchestrated something here beyond genius for the sake of the Jewish people. And if you hear this, oh, this is worth the whole week, ladies. The whole week. And please, let me just give it to you like this. Yaakov Avinu comes to get the blessings from his father Yitzchak. There's only one problem. Yitzchak. Yitzchak still is under the impression that Esav's the Bechor. Therefore, Yitzchak thinks the blessing is going to Esav. So he turns to Esav, Yitzchak, and he tells him, Go out, catch me a catch, bring it back, prepare a meal the way I like it, so that I may bless you the blessings, the Berachot of the Bechorah. Esav leaves. Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov says, well, What am I going to do now? He left. He's going to come back. I'm supposed to get the Berachot. What's going to be? Says his mother Rivka. Yaakov, listen to me. Listen to your mother. I'm going to prepare the food the way your father likes it. I'm going to prepare everything. You're going to get in there before he comes back. But I want you, Yaakov, to do something. I want you to go and put on the coat of Esav. Why? Well, the simple pshat is because Yitzchak might feel his son just to make sure it really is Esav. And he's going to see that he's not as hairy as Esav was. So to feel the coat, he'll actually think it was Esav. That's the simple pshat. I'd like to share with you the pshat of the Shvile Pinchas that brings in the name of the Chatam Sofer. Writes the Shvile Pinchas, you have to hear this. He says, no, I'll tell you a deeper pshat why his mother wanted him to put on the coat of Esav. Because Yaakov Avinu was Emet. 
תיתן אמת ליעקב, חסד לאברהם. Each of the Avot had their attribute. Yaakov Avinu, he was emet. He was such a straight, honest person. A real, true Ben Torah. He didn't know how to lie. He didn't even know how to fluff. He didn't even know how to exaggerate. He didn't even know how to be a little bit... Yaakov Avinu was straight. Emet. Oh, but what's going to be now? Here's a moment in time. It's a moment that in extreme moments, it calls for extreme measures. And you got to do this for the Jewish people. But how do you expect from Yaakov Avinu, who's emet, to walk in and tell his father, Anochi esav b'chorecha. Yaakov can't even get those words out of his mouth. He's way too straight of a shooter. You know what his mother says? I have an idea. Go put on Esau's clothing. The minute you put on his clothing, clothing that you wear has an effect on you. The minute you put on Esau's clothing is the minute that you could bend the truth a drop. Pfft, wow. Now, now Yaakov with Esau's clothing now you can go inside and now you could say Anochi Esav Bechorecha now at the moment of need to save Jewish people Hora'at Sha'ah I'm going to put a little rebellious spirit inside of you to be able to do what needs to be done at the moment for the Jewish people in the Berachot but how is he going to do it? he's a straight shooter come Go ahead, put on that rat, put on the clothing of Esav. What the clothing you wear has such an effect on you that in moments the Ish Emet can actually do at this moment what needed to be done for Klal Yisrael to get the Berachot. Look at the effect of our clothing. It gave him the rebellious nature to be able to do that, to be able to say that. So says Chatam Sofer, so says Shvilei Pinchas. If this is the case, now you're going to understand something genius. In the times of Rebbe and Antoninus, <laughs> Antoninus, he becomes emperor, he empowers Rebbe. Rebbe is now Rebbe Yehuda HaNasi, which by the way, the word Nasi stands for Nitzotz Shel Yaakov Avinu. He was the Gilgul of Yaakov Avinu. Here he is, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. Finally, he was given back the reins and the power of the Jewish people. Rebbe was like the Jewish king in the Galut of Rome. Antoninus gives Rebbe the power. Rebbe, what does he do with the power? He goes, he gets all the rabbis together because Torah Shabal Peh was about to be forgotten. What does Rebbe do? He does something rebellious. Rebbe goes and breaks a big rule. By Sinai, by Har Sinai, they told us, Torah Shabal Peh is not about, allowed to be written down. How could the great Rabbi, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, go and break a rule and have the omits and the strength to write down what you're not allowed to write down? 
He needed a little rebellious nature in him to break that rule and write down Torah Shabal Peh. You know where he got it from? The milk. The milk that he drank from the mother of Antoninus. Look what, sh- wow, wow, wow. Look what Shamayim did. They switched the babies. Antoninus drinks from Rebbe's mother so that one day he'll convert to Judaism, become emperor, and empower the rabbis to save the Torah. Rebbe is given to the mother of Antoninus to drink from her milk to have a little rebellious something in, in, in him, a nature in him, that one day when Torah is about to be forgotten, He'll have the ability to break the rule. No one will break the Rebbe will break the rule. Rebbe will have that rebellious in him in order to save the Jewish people. And Rebbe saved the Jewish people. And Rebbe saved the Torah from being forgotten. And it was all masterly manipulated and planned. Shamayim, in order to answer Rivka Imenu's question. Lama ze anochi. What is Torah Shebikhtav? Anochi, Hashem Elokecha. What good is it without Torah Shebalpeh? How are we going to hold on to Torah Shebalpeh? If we write it down, the Goyim grabs it from us. If we don't write it down, Hashem can be forgotten. The answer is, don't worry. Shnei Geim Bebitnech. Two great people. Says Rashi, who are they? Rebbe and Antoninus. Antoninus is going to empower Rebbe by both drinking from each other's mother's milk to convert and to have that strength to break the rule at Hora'at Sha'ah at the time that the rabbi is allowed to break the rule to save the Torah, to save the Jewish people. Take a look at the effects of the way we dress and what we eat and how it has an effect on our children and where their potential of greatness one day may lie for the Jewish people. Have a good week.